What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. This episode is powered by DenMeditation.com. The meditation is the primary focus. The bigger goal is for people to understand and love themselves, thus creating more harmony in the community at large. To find out more about Den Meditation's teacher training programs, retreats, and all things Den Meditation, go to denmeditation.com. Welcome back to Den Talks Podcast. This is Tal, your host and the founder of Den Meditation. This episode is so mind-bending in such a great way. So listen to the whole thing, even if you have to do it in parts. We are lucky enough today to have Sheila and Marcus Gillette on. Sheila actually has been channeling Theo, which are 12 archangels, and she's been doing this since the 60s. Um, a near-death experience is what actually was the impetus, and we get into that story on here as well. What, what I love about this episode, and there is a good chunk of this episode, I think at least 45 minutes, if not more, of... Theo being channeled and me asking questions. And when I say questions, I mean like the bigger questions about what is holding us back in humanity. What is going on? Why did we choose this incarnation? What does ADHD and autism and all of that mean within our society today? We get into some deep stuff in Theo answers. So that's pretty incredible. But we bookend this conversation with a love story. And it's a story between the two of them. And what I love about bookending it that way is they kind of show you when you allow yourself to kind of heed the advice of Theo and actually go into your true self and actually feel the vibrations and understand how much you're capable of as a human and as a human experience, what you can attract into your life and then what you can do as a couple. So it's really cool to bookend it kind of with the relationship and what it's about. And in the middle and that meet is Theo guiding us once again, as they have done so many times for so many people in a beautiful way. So what an honor and a treat for all of us to have these answers. We will have them on again because, again, it's to get this information just feels like an honor. The personal practice Theo is leading a meditation. So stick around to the end and get your personal practice. Really hope you enjoyed this episode. Again, remember to subscribe. It really helps us out. If you want to leave a review somewhere, also really, really helpful. And tell your friends. We just appreciate your support. We love this community. Enjoy the episode. Are you in the same house in different rooms or are we in totally different places? We're in the same house. I love that. In different places in the same house. That's so funny. I love that. I mean, look, I'm sure for you guys, it was fascinating during COVID because you already work together so much and you are together. Did it change for you even in COVID, like not having, or for you guys, you're like, this is what we do. It's just what we do. We've worked together like this for 25 years. Wow. And a lot of people say, gosh, is that too much togetherness? But quite frankly, he's doing his work and I'm doing my work and we meet at meals, you know, it's, you know, and passing back and forth, but it just works. We, we really like doing it and working together in the same place. How long were you to get, like, how long have you guys been together as a couple? Like how long? 26 years. 26 years. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Well, congratulations. I mean, that's that in of itself is a whole podcast, how to be a successful couple. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we just wrote a book about it. The Art of Relationship, Discover the 
the magic of unconditional love. And, and, it, and it goes across all, all relationships, not just primary, but particularly the most important is the relationship to the self. Is that, if you could think of one sentence to describe the message of that book, would that be it? No, love yourself. Yeah, the, the, it changes everything. Well, loving Marcus, yourself. I like what you usually say is loving yourself changes everything, hmm. which is really, really true. It changes everything in your life if you have that solid state in your being, being peaceful inside. Yeah. When you two you know, found we have, I was just going to say, we have a link, Tal, if you want to give your listeners, which is just asktheo.com forward slash love. And we've got, a, we've got a gift there for them, an experience oh. with Theo. And they can also purchase the book there if they want to as well. Oh, so that's amazing. A, I mean, because that's yeah. all everybody's always asking about is relationships. How do you do it? And so when you two met each other and you started your relationships, do you both feel like you were solid in a place of loving yourself? Or were you lucky enough to somehow manage it as you grew together? Both. I don't think it's an unending process at all. I think that we just peel back the layers um, because we built up limiting beliefs from where, whatever human experience we've had, not only in this life, but others that are influential now in this time we're living in. So I think we just discover more about ourselves and, be, and that self-acceptance. I love that. Do you, it's interesting because you guys were really, were you young when you met? How old were you? No, no. I was 52. Got it. Is this really, is this first solid relationship? Second for both of you? Like, where are we in the relationship roller coaster? It's second for Marcus, third for me. Third time's yeah. a charm. Three times <laughs> is a charm. <laughs> but I, I had long-term relationships or marriages actually before. And I didn't think, well, I thought I'd like to have a relationship, but I didn't need one. Um, I, you know, I was fine living like I was, and I was working a lot. So I wasn't, Marcus and I were introduced by a mutual friend. And I said to a friend of mine, when, when she said, well, do you think you'll be in a relationship? And I said, they'd have to break my door down because I don't go out looking <laughs> for relationship. And uh, he literally broke my door down at the Phoenician yeah. on the patio. That's what happened. That's yeah, so the sweet. First, the, the first <laughs> chapter of our book is called Our Multidimensional Love Story. And, and it uh -huh. explains a little bit about uh, us, how we got together, the synchronicities, uh, a couple of really wonderful kind of miraculous things that happened. Uh, we went down to the Havasupai Indian Reservation on our first uh, date for five days, which isn't something I'd necessarily recommend for anybody on a first date, uh, <laughs> go on a camping trip. And we had some, some experiences. We had some extraordinary things happen. Uh, not the least of which was a collapse of time and space, Tal, which we had an awareness that, that happened in this moment or moments or however long it lasted for where we actually literally were in another time together sitting outside a sweat lodge down in the in the Havasupai Indian Reservation just kind of waiting our turn there was a couple of uh, native children playing with us and had been kind of latched onto us and we had the experience the four of us in that moment of seeing each other in different in a different time different clothing children were the same uh, in a different you know they they were dressed differently and Sheila and I looked at each other and she says are you seeing what I'm seeing right now Wow, you both yeah. saw it at the same time. Saw it at the mm -hmm. exact same 
time. Yeah. So when you have simultaneous experiences like that, it's pretty indisputable. Whoa. Okay. So yeah, we kind of had a sense we'd been together in a previous incarnation, but now we do for sure. And then it all unfolded and to skip ahead, when we came back out, we came to my house. I invited a bunch of friends. I was living in Scottsdale at the time. Uh, and Sheila was up in Colorado and I brought a bunch of friends over to the house to meet Sheila and Theo and she channeled and everybody left and we sat outside that night. And I just said, so gosh, what are we going to do on our second date? And she said, I don't, I don't date. And so I said, well, I guess we'll just have to get married. And that is a true story. And it's exactly what happened. And, you know, I had no intention of proposing to her that night, but it felt right. And it was right. You know, to so you basically that. went on one date. We went on one date. For five days. For five days. Right. right. And also lifetimes. So yeah. it was a lot of traveling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah, it, it sounds crazy and it was crazy and, but it was awesome. You know, we never, there was a no doubtedness about it. That was uh, made it easy. So Sheila, do you mm -hmm. ask Theo ever about like, how separate do you keep your personal life from Theo? Like, do you ever go, Hey Theo, yeah. like I got this guy. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> Just like anybody or everybody. Um, but they don't tell me everything because, you know, they just would give me cryptic messages. It's like, what's a cryptic um, message you received? Um, well, one, one I got, which was quite profound, I'd never heard them speak like that at all. And they said, this relationship is anointed and ordained. And I went, whoa, what does that mean? <laughs> but that, that was like, Oh, okay. But when we met, literally, Tal, he took my breath away. You know, we hear that, those love songs and stuff. But literally, I couldn't breathe because the energy between us was so powerful. And it wasn't just, oh, he's attractive. You know, like we see attractive people. It was, this is big. Why is this going on? Who is this guy? This is, this is a big thing energetically because I felt him come in the building. I, you know, I have all my psychic abilities and intuitive abilities and it happens to me. I feel energy wherever I am. So I felt this really strong energy and I, and I started just casually looking around to say, well, where is that coming from? You know, and it wasn't necessarily, oh, this is, this is because it's a romance. It was just more high, high energy. And he was the last to meet our group to, to show up at the table. And he walked up to the table and it was like getting kicked in your stomach. My, all my air went out. It was like, <laughs> I can't breathe. But wow. it was so powerful. And then I realized there's something here bigger than the both of us. And then it's unfolded. This is what we're supposed to be doing together. And I had known all along in my, my life doing this work over five decades now that I was to have a partner to do it with. And it just hadn't happened. It just didn't unfold that way. And so before we met, I just decided, well, maybe I'm wrong. You know, we all go through that. Well, Maybe not yet. And it was just not yet. We both had to be, we had to be ready. I, I wouldn't have been ready before that moment to, to accept him in my life or he 
accepting me. I mean, we had to come to a certain, I think, maturity in ourselves to be able to have the relationship we have. Now, at that point, you had been channeling and for over 20 years, right? At this, at the point 25. of your, 25 mm -hmm. years, right. And so talk about it because you were, you had three kids. When you, when this all first occurred to you, you were not mm -hmm. just so for the listeners, it wasn't like every single day since you were a child, you'd wake up and no, you were able no. to channel. This is something that kind of was, there was an impetus that kind of allowed this connection to begin. Yeah. It happened spontaneously that. after a near death experience. Um, I had pulmonary embolus after the birth of my youngest daughter and I was in intensive care and I felt like I had an elephant sitting on my chest. I could not breathe. And of course, people who've been through the pandemic have had some experience with that, but that's how it was. My lungs were full of fluid. And so my family was being prepared for my imminent death that day. And I just kept saying, hey God, give me a job. I'll do anything. I had two little kids at home and I had a brand new baby and I wanted to stay on the planet and be their mother. And so I just kept repeating, please give me a job. And I had a miraculous healing in intensive care. I had some of the, the things about you hear about near-death experiences. I had the bright light. The room became extremely bright. But I saw movement at the end of my bed and Jesus stood at the end of my bed. And I was like, oh, well, <laughs> this is interesting. And he crossed his arms like this. And when he did so, he smiled at me. And I was just mesmerized by his eyes. So much love emanating. And when he smiled, I heard in my inner mind hearing, like we hear our own voice. But I heard a distinct male voice say, remember, my child, you are loved. And at that point, I felt my crown open up and I just felt this warmth start going down inside in every cell. And as it passed through the trunk of my body, I felt as if I could take a deep breath. And I started getting better. And this, this was a moment out of time. As I tell you this story, it's not as detailed as I could, but it's still as fresh in my knowing about it as it was that moment. And that was in 1969. So I, and then it started, I was in the hospital about a month. And when I got home, wow. about six months later, I had all kinds of psychic phenomena happening to me. Internally, externally, I could hear messages as I heard Jesus's voice that day. And then I transpontaneously spontaneously and became a direct voice trans medium. Channeling wasn't even a word used then for what I do. If you hadn't seen Jesus at the foot of your bed during the healing, do you think you would have just thought you were crazy? Was there something about oh, his I thought I, that uh, gave permission he, to this? The, 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 there were moments. It wasn't crazy. It was just so <laughs> unusual. Yeah. <laughs> to say the least. And this wasn't a time that this kind, these kinds of things were spoken about. And I started seeking any kind of books or anything. And the only book that I found initially was a book about Edgar Casey, And it was exactly what was happening to me. 
So that gave me some idea. But the, the angels, Theo, they were the teachers teaching me how to do this because I didn't have a mentor that could say, oh, you're okay. Except I was tested in 1976 by scientists, physicists that were oh. researching parapsychology. And I really appreciated doing that because to your point, it gave me that the housekeeping seal of approval that no, you're not crazy, you're psychic. So that that kind of gave me a good foundation, but I was being given information I could not ever have known uh, about the future prophetic stuff, but information about people. People would ask about like deceased loved ones and information would come through that there's no way I could have known that. So there were confirmations that were happening daily. So I trusted it, but but I also held the commitment that I got to be here still in this body to be my children's mother because of this, because I made that commitment. Did you always, rem did you always connect the two? Like when it first started happening yes. to you, did you initially go, I know exactly what this is. This was, the I deal did I because it was so profound. And, and when I was getting the inner messages, it was like the one I got in the hospital. It was mm -hmm. not my voice. It was very distinct, another energy coming through. But I had so many phenomenal external experiences that could have been, could not have been explained. My bed levitated in the middle of the night. Whenever <laughs> spirit wanted to talk to me, it was, yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're not able to do this on your own. If I'd sit in a chair, the chair would physically move. And it would have been impossible for me to move the chair myself. So there were things like that that I was given that this is this is more than what you you could perceive or give. And the information was far beyond my knowledge. Do you remember the first piece of information that came in that you were like, okay? Actually, uh, <laughs> there was a woman in the town I was living in who talk talk to me about automatic writing i didn't know what it was and she said you want to try it and we were having coffee one morning our children really small and so she told me how to do it and i got a message from my grandmother that said i'm here can you feel me and not only could i feel me could she taken my hand and was moving the pin wow but the room got really cold like a refrigerator cold and um, my teeth, you know, when you get scared, your teeth better. <laughs> my teeth started doing that and I was just shaking and I was sitting on a bar stool at her, her bar in her kitchen. I had to get down and walk over and sit on a sofa because I had to compose myself. And then I was intrigued. It was like, Oh, I want to do that again, which I did. But then, her husband's father was in World War II and had died in World War II when he was two years old. And his father came through and gave him all kinds of information I couldn't have known. And then he checked it out and it was true. So there were things that started happening like that. But most um, 
important message that came through was Watergate. And what came through? Oh, all kinds of information of what was going on. And they said, the president needs to, to be told to stop what he's doing. And I was like, I'm not the one going to do this. You're like, what am I going to pick up the phone? Be like, <laughs> yes. You know what that would have ended up in. So it was just, I had all this information that had been given me. 16 years later, I met John Ehrlichman when I was living in Santa Fe. And we had a chat about it. And I shared with him the information. And he said, everything I had gotten was true. So it was validated, you know, but it took, it just takes some time for stuff to evolve into the ability to know the information. And that's what I've found working with Theo is you may be told something today and 10 years later it happens because it's just information to prepare us. That's what happened when I wrote my first book. They told me I was going to write a book. Well, that was pretty amazing in itself because yeah. I didn't fancy myself a writer. But then I thought I had to do it right now. I got to go out, and I, you know, and I kept trying to push the doors open. And it was really 10 years after they said that that would be happening. And then when it was time, all the doors flew open at publishing houses and they were interested and it was quite a different experience than my trying to force something to come true. Has that been one of your biggest lessons in working with them? Just learning oh. flow and learning presence? Oh, yeah. It, yeah. Um, not that me, as me, my humanness doesn't still want to, oh, I want it now, you know, that immediate gratification stuff. But, you know, when you, after you live long enough, and I, I, we all know this, you can look at hindsight and see it couldn't, like Marcus and I meeting, couldn't have happened before. And it's not that right. it could not have happened because he lived in Scottsdale. My best friend lived in Phoenix and I, would, I was in Colorado, but I would come and visit her. And we were in the same neighborhoods, in the same restaurants, in this, you know, probably many times and never met. Right. Never cross paths. Right. So, that is, you know, timing is everything. Well, on that note, do you feel or have you ever asked them, like, were you, did you contract to do this job previously and you weren't ready and that's why the instance happened with your daughter? Or is this something totally new that came into this lifetime because you asked? Um, when I've asked Theo or when other people have asked them, how do how did you guys get together? Um, what was your they, first date? They, yeah. Theo said, by agreement. So from that, I don't know if the agreement was in the hospital or Jesus said, hey, you guys come over here. She's ready. Or, um, But they said, by agreement. I, I, as a kid growing up, I had some psychic experience. I think we all do but nothing to the degree of what happened to me after this. I mean, there was just no comparison to that. But I had a belief of possibility. I believed that these things could happen. I believed in psychic ability. I believed in reincarnation. Um, so, 
So maybe that's why they chose me, that I could believe in them. Or maybe you always, maybe you'd already chosen them and that was part of the reason yeah. you lead that yeah. stuff. Quite possible. That's, so in, did you have siblings or do you have siblings? I have a deceased brother. Do you, do you talk to Theo about him or can you channel him in now that you? No, no, I, I don't feel the need to. Both my parents are deceased as well and I feel them periodically. Um, and that's the blessing of having the belief that I do have is that I, and, and having a near-death experience knowing that I could have chosen not to be here. Yeah. It was a choice that I stay in my body. It, I know there was a moment I could have just closed my eyes and never opened them again. So knowing that, I don't have any fear of death because I'm not afraid. You know, a lot of people say, well, even my mother said to me when she was past, uh, transitioning, she said, well, I've never done this before. You know, even though she had a belief in reincarnation, it was just something she hadn't experienced before in her present life. And I thought, man, I'm fortunate because I have. I've seen, I've walked in two worlds. I I know what that feels like. So that was a blessing in itself. Do you feel like the lack of fear of death changes the way you live? Yes, more appreciation and gratitude, even for the challenges, you yeah. know. But as I've grown with the, the teachings of Theo, I've realized that challenges are just the curriculum of our life. And we've chosen to come here and grow. And it's how, it's how we perceive those challenges that changes. I mean, Instead that- of being hard, they can be not easy in the sense of the challenge could stretch you a lot and grow you a lot. But in knowing that, just knowing, well, squeeze every moment out of this because you came here to get it. You know? <laughs> I love the words curriculum. Like, I think that's such a smart way to say it because imagine if we all had that perspective when things come up of like, oh, this is just today's school lesson. And we didn't always like every class we took in school. Right, right. What a different way we would approach it. What a different way, because, you know, we would, a lot of the victimhood, I think, would release, um, which is, I think, so much of our problems, right? We automatically kind of tilt into like, why me? How do I do this? I can't do this. It's happening mm-hmm. to me again. Versus, oh, it's well, another lesson. Yeah. Well, what you're talking about is feeling victimized. Yeah. By it. And I certainly have had those moments. I, think we all I remember walking around my living room, railing and saying, Theo, why do I have to go through this? <laughs> you know, And at that point being told, so you'll have compassion. Mm. And, I, and then that kind of set me back. And, you know, Marcus was on his own spiritual journey before we met, too. He was kind of under under the radar doing his seeking. And that's, that's another thing that brought us together is that he was interested in what I did. Our mutual friend had given him my first book. And that's, that's why we met. I, I say to people, I wrote that book to meet my husband. 
<laughs> well, that's interesting. So Marcus, she talks about how, you know, energetically she could feel you in the building before you even came in. And then obviously when you came in front, it confirmed that's the feeling I'm feeling. So when you read her first book, was there beyond just spiritually seeking, was there a weird like energy for you or something that you could tell there was a deeper connection? I was a little slower on the uptake, Tal. <laughs> Most men are. <laughs> Not to stereotype me as a typical man. Uh, the book was amazing. You know, I read The Fifth Dimension, Channels to a New Reality. She wrote that in 88, and it, it foretold. Um, it was really a groundbreaking book, actually. You know, she and Brian Weiss uh, were, had the same editor at Simon & Schuster in 1988. And, and um, I just loved the book. And there was this you know, picture of this really beautiful woman on the back of the book. And um, my friend calls up and says, oh, by the way, um, Sheila's coming to town. This is two years later. She gave me the book in 95. And two years later, um, she calls up and says, hey, Sheila's coming to town. You want to meet her? I said, yeah, I'd love to meet her. That'd be great. And so I was, you know, I was a fan, basically, you know, and, and um, she when I when I met her that night, we were at the Phoenician Resort here uh, in Paradise Valley. When I met her that night, she was softer, prettier um, than, I, than she looked on the on the book cover and um, full of joy. You know, there was a set, there was a real vibrant fun, positive energy about her. And, uh, but no, I was not as, uh, energetically affected in the, in that moment, but it didn't take long, you know, as I allowed myself to open up to the possibility, because I knew something was going on, you know, there was a connection. Yeah. I was very attracted to her. Um, I guess I, I didn't want to be overly presumptuous either, you know, because, I had read her book. I knew all about her life. I knew all about, you know, I'd gotten to know Theo a little bit, uh, but it was profound. What happened over the next few weeks was really profound. And I think, I think, and we, we write about this in the first chapter of the book, Tal. I'll just share one quick story. And we, we just finally kind of came out of the closet to share this story because it was so personal. Um, when we met each other, uh, for the very well, the second time we met each other was a month later, and this is when we we're getting ready to go to the Havasupai on this vision quest down to the Indian reservation down there. Uh, we spent the night up in uh, Flagstaff, um, and we went out to dinner at the Olive Garden. That was like our first formal date with the Olive <laughs> Garden, Flag, Flagstaff, Arizona. Um, we kissed each other goodnight in the lobby, went to bed. I had my my roommate who was was the trip leader, and and Sheila, and her uh, her friend that she was uh, talking about, and. Um, in the middle of the night, I woke up at 2.15 in the morning. I looked over, I could hear my roommate snoring, and I, I saw a clock that said 2.15 on the, on the, uh, uh, on the red, in red, red numbers. And I looked up, and Sheila was, had projected herself out of her body. Her light body was hovering above my body, my physical body. And I'd never had an experience like that. I had been studying out-of-body experiences for years. I went, in fact, two months before I met Sheila, I went to the Monroe Institute because I wanted to really kind of get more, more uh, adept, you know, at, at conscious astral travel. And it was, it was, it was to this day, I can't really describe the experience. I mean, it was so uh, ineffable. It was just like this, this light body merging with mine in a way that uh, it was just an experience in which I really can't even describe it further, but it was, that was, that was how we got together. I mean, that day, that night being at the Olive Garden, Next day, we were horseback riding down in the, in the well, then I, actually, I went down to the lobby about six in the morning. There she was. And I said to her, I knew where you, I know where you are last night. And the only thing she said to me was, oh, did you get me? Like this little coy, oh, did you get me? Yeah. Uh-huh. And so she literally um, 
came and visited me that night out of her body. And that was the beginning of a series of events over the next several days that were kind of extraordinary. And on the, on the horseback ride down, I, 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 uh, I pulled my horse up next to hers at one point and I said, well, you don't even give a guy a chance, do you? You know, <laughs> I like, love that. I love it. This is a done deal, man. I mean, <laughs> but uh, no, but it was amazing. And, um, and to answer your question, just finally, I, it was, it took a little while longer than it did for Sheila, but she's more, a little more energetically attuned to that energetics yep. than, than I, than I was at the time, but it didn't take long time. But I love how you studied out of, again, how all these pieces came into place. Like if you hadn't studied that, would you have dismissed it? Would you have turned around and just, you know what I mean? But the fact that you had yeah. purposely gone and studied, you were so ready for that moment. Well, I think, I think, you know, what we're, what we're starting to realize more today than ever before, Tal, is that our, our truth, our belief system is all about personal experience, right? It's just knowing it's not really... Yeah book, book learning, or, you know, I mean, it's really more about our personal experience. So had I gone to the Monroe Institute or not, the, the experience itself was indisputable. It happened. Right. I experienced it. Right. And, you know, one of our favorite sayings is the old Sufi saying that only a fool believes another's word over their own experience. Right. So it was just all about, that was the beginning of multiple experiences that we continue to have to this day beyond, you know, the physical you know, limitations of the physical body or the more you know, third dimensional reality. So it's, you know, Theo's teachings are all about be expressing in human form our multidimensionality, you know, because yeah. we're so much more than our physical bodies. So that's what makes this relationship so much fun. Today, 25 years later, uh, we're celebrating our 25th wedding anniversary in April. And Congratulations. Uh, yeah. And Going to the so, Olive Garden? We're going to go to the Olive <laughs> No, they all closed. Oh, I just read right. that they're closing. Oh, actually, no. actually tell, we're, gonna, we're gonna go to Red Lobster, but- um... <laughs> Same idea, you're on it. <laughs> what a beautiful story. That's pretty amazing. Um, can we talk to Theo for a little? Sure, I'd be happy to a, do that. I would love that. It takes Thank just a, a few seconds to, for them to come in. There is um, a difference in the voice you probably, I don't know if you've heard Theo, but I like to warn people if they hadn't. So here we'll we go. We'll warn our audience for those who've never seen it. Okay. It. it is the beginning, is it not? Yes. Thank you, Theo, for being here and allowing us to talk with you. We are appreciative of the opportunity to serve. You may ask. Thank you. Um, we hear a lot that choosing to be a human in this incarnation is like winning the lottery or it's a win. Can you explain more of why that is the case and why do people or beings choose to be in the human form? It's an exquisite opportunity to have a body, to experience all of your sensory perceptivity in your physicality to also navigate with your earth suit, your human body, this beautiful planet, and to experience each other in a way that is not experienced in just the energy vibrational frequency that is a soul, that is not encased in a material physical form. So you have the ability to touch and be touched to have these sensory perceptions of experience. 
your soul is much larger than your body. And know this, the soul chooses the body, the human experience. It is not the other way around. You are a spiritual soul having a human experience. And there are billions of choices of experience. The earth is but one. But it has its magnificence as we started to speak about having a body. And the body is miraculous in and of itself. How come the body, and it is miraculous, how come it is so, if it's kind of the suit, why is it so complicated, the body itself? And in a way that then has disease, or did we bring on the disease? So it's through experience. You do not ask that of your computer, do you? Why is it so complicated? It is in its form because of the way it is used. The physical body is that which is your ability to navigate the planet comfortably in the atmosphere you're in. The soul gives the body the life. The body itself can be kept alive when the soul leaves the body, and you're aware of that with science and medicine, but the brain cannot. The soul gives the brain its electricity, let's say, its life. And so it is when the soul leaves the body, they check for brain activity. For that is the one thing that cannot be kept alive by machinery. It's so interesting because I, it's the mind sometimes is what gets in the way for a lot of us of living through our truth. And so can you talk a little bit how interesting it's the soul and the mind are really linked, but yet sometimes the mind is what can get in the way of our own growth. And isn't that true in computer science? They're trying to give the computer brain the activity of the human. And so we find it amusing that they're trying to create a machine to work with intelligence, and you already have one. It's a human body. <laughs> However, that artificial intelligence will do the same thing in wanting to control as the human brain does intellectually, but it does not have the capability of the solid state of unconditional love that the soul has and the experience of that. It's very, let's say, mechanical. However, humans have given great import to intelligence. And that is important because the intellect is the problem solver. And it is the, the area of learning in the human experience, cataloging experience, if you would. The soul has a different way of absorbing that information and retaining it. Many call it the Akashic record. That is just a word utilized to support the retainage of information 
an experience. And in that retaining, it's in every cell of your body because it's in the vibrational frequencies of your soul. So is the intellect the problem solver or is it only the problem solver in one way and the true depth of problem solving is through the soul? It is a problem solving idea thinking apparatus, you might say, or section of the mind with what it's been trained to do. The soul is multidimensional. And so it has a broader ability to disseminate information and to understand it. So there's a difference in the soul level understanding and intellectual understanding. What do we, what is the biggest problem facing, I would say, humanity in our growth or on this earth plane? Limiting beliefs. Hmm. For each experience gives one an outer view of the self. And so a limiting belief can be experienced in a conversation by an opinion about you that someone else has that you adopt as your own. And so you continually hold that belief until you rewrite that script. Those events where beliefs about yourself that are simply untrue first begin is history. Those events don't change, but how you perceive them can. When you look for the gifts and blessings of the learning game there, and you can change a belief. How can we change a belief? With love. Loving that part of self that didn't know what it knows now as you do. And giving support and love to that part of self that first adopted or created the belief. And drawing it forward from that time or event, for oftentimes those parts of self are frozen in that moment. And then when energy is similar to it later in life, that belief can be reaffirmed at a different age. And that's where you see repetitive patterning. Does this go to the point of limiting beliefs or also limiting belief in our own power, not realizing that, like you were just saying, our vibration goes into the past and future if we're using time as yes. a descriptor? Yes. It gives one a very myopic view mm. of self and life. And what we encourage you to do is broaden the aperture how a silly question maybe but i'm curious how is it like if you could use a metaphor that we understand here what is it like to be observing us here in the human form on this earth planet at times humorous yeah that's what i thought <laughs> even because you keep repeating the same things over and over again and that's why we're here, 
to teach you how to change those beliefs. Rep it's interesting because repetition, I think, is why is repetition so natural for us? It's the way there's external proof. However, and that's how you learn. Repetition is good in learning. If you continue to hear something, you can glean a broader perspective at times. And that's why it's important to check into self as you have repeated messages given you that may be untrue that you've accepted. It's good to check out the truth on the inner. Each has a truth barometer in you. You know when truth is spoken to you. You have a visceral experience. Or if you speak truth to someone else, your body lets you know. How, you know, you, you said earlier, you know, there's so many other experiences you could choose to come into. As far as beings on a planet in relation to Earth, what would be the closest planet? I'm sure it's one we've never heard of with beings on it. Most you would never hear of because there's billions of them. Yep. And science is bringing that forth now as proof that the Earth is only one choice of human experience or physical experience. There are many other. In your, your particular universe, there could be as many as 40 billion. Wow. So it's important to understand that with this myopic view of the earth, only it, the one existence is very, again, myopic, very small viewpoint. So again, with science, that aperture is already broadening because the Astronomers or cosmologists are expanding the vision through now telescopes and flight into space. When you talk about the different dimensions and, you know, fourth dimension and fifth dimension, is that myopic viewpoint part of that shift of frequency? It is. So there are 12 dimensions about the Earth. You are now living in the vibrational frequency of the fifth dimension. That is why there's a greater interest that is beyond the physical, a greater knowledge that there, that there is a soul inhabiting a body that is larger than the body itself, and that is in connection to the multidimensionality. And as there is this experience that humans are having now of this broader perspective will expand into the sixth dimension, which is the recognition of the masters that you are fully and the experience of the other six dimensions in the 12 are etheric and would be felt and known. And that's part of the multidimensional experience or expression that the eternal soul can have. When you say we are living in the fifth dimension, is that 
everyone on this plane is living is because sometimes you hear people say, oh, you need to try and rise to the fifth dimension. So is everyone- No, you're living in it. it. It's a vibrational frequency that's right. much more refined. The third dimension is your physical reality, your physical body. It has a greater density to it in the sense of the energetics of frequencies. And so now there is being this evolution, if you would, of consciousness that is now the fifth dimension. And that's why you're seeing the chaos on the planet, because the changes necessary to live in this higher frequency that is the recognition of the oneness of your species. So basically the lower frequency things still exist, but they're struggling because it doesn't match the frequency and they're falling away. Yes, they still exist. And some of the foundations that are now crumbling are in that spectrum of vibration, such as the political structures that no longer work the economic structures that are being redone, even their innovation and the businesses that no longer can be sustained on this planet and new are being formed. There will always be innovation. If you think of what's happened in the last hundred years, innovations have changed your planet. Mm. And it feels as if, especially with technology, they're happening at a more rapid pace. Is that part yes. of moving up frequency too? Or is that the fact that it it's feels coming like it's to match after? it? Mm. And, and that, and out of the chaos that's on the planet that everybody's experiencing with these changes will come to order in a new way of being, a new order for the world, which is in the highest good of all the people and other species. And speaking of highest good, how, when people try and figure out what their purpose is or what they're here to do, how, how does that vibrate with the highest good? People always are looking for purpose and the purpose is life. You've chosen life on this planet. Life is happening through you and for you, not to you. You are creators. And so there is the ability to recognize the power of your creative abilities. That's why the interest in manifestation and law of attraction, not just for the phenomena of it, it is the way of life. And when you all begin to recognize and use the energies in their proper ways, there will be ease and grace for all. And not this separation and division that's been, but there's enough for everybody on this planet. So I was just going to ask, so the idea is if you can step into your truth and live within that vibration that is of you, that then allows you to kind of, what you're saying, there's enough for everyone, there's abundance for everyone, tap into that versus this idea of separation or scarcity. Yes, and we created a process called soul integration process that allows one to recognize the beliefs that are limiting them and to change them and to live from 
not fear-based thinking to what if something horrible is going to happen to what if something great will happen or wonderful. It's laying new neural pathways in the brain from the old default system of fright, fight, fear, freeze into possibility thinking and the ability to work within the quantum field or the creative energy that's on the planet. How did we create fear in the religious world? You know, the story of Adam and Eve. What is the, where did fear truly then develop from if we're coming in as these pure bodies? It developed in the human body because the greatest thing when a soul enters the body is survival. So in, in the beginning in fast life of entering the bodies, when you were living in caves, the, the primal brain, or some call it the reptilian brain, it had these neural pathways to keep you safe. For an example, you would look both ways before coming out of the cave because the tiger could eat you. But now that functionality is still happening and there's no tiger. When you mentioned so the this is the need for the shifts and changes. It's not that you shouldn't have that sense of perceptivity to know if you're safe in your environment or not. That will continue. It's natural, but it will not control you. Mm, the control. You mentioned the reptilian brain. People say that sometimes we have reptilian blood where they talk about being mixed race as far as species, mixed species. Is that true? No. I had a feeling you were going to say that. Um, how many, are there other species or higher intelligence life looking out for us? Yes. Understand this. They've always been here. And could you imagine it's your neighbor? Because the earth is just one choice of experience. You could choose to be what you call an alien that comes in the unidentified flying objects that you call the UFO or ships. You all have the choice to do that as well. Um. Do we have, there's been a lot of talk that everyone comes in with guardian angels or certain energetic beings that are always with them. Is that true? That is true. There are legions of angels. And we are 12 archangels. It could be thought of as managers or supervisors of those legions that are here to teach and assist. And they are mentors and guides. And the only thing we would say to all of you would be ask for their assistance. You forget to ask, and they're just waiting for you to ask them. Do they stay, are they only with you? Is it as if I have my own and so-and-so has their own, or in these legions, are there direct assignments? They are specifically to you in that questioning, but know that's enlarged into the greater teachings. So there may be you start with one or two and that group grows as you grow. Mm. And do they stay with you as a body or do they stay with you as a soul? 
So are they reincarnating with you as the soul chooses to make other choices or is it just for they change as you gain knowledge and abilities? They're not far away. The soul is resonant to them. And is the soul different than angels? Meaning can someone at some point, this soul become an angel or is these two different energetic? For an example, we've never incarnated. Right. We vibrationally adjust this physical body of the chela from which we speak to have this ability to speak to as we are now, but we have not incarnated into a physical form. There are some who do, yes. So speaking of which, did you always speak through Sheila only in this lifetime or had there been other lifetimes that your relationship with her existed? We have known this one for many lifetimes. Hmm. And is the idea of reincarnation what we are taught, this idea that you constantly bring in the lessons from the last, is that what it's about always experiencing new experiences to become a fuller embodied soul? It's not linear as you would think of it, like you do your educational system from kindergarten to university, but it could be seen in a lifetime as that. However, as we've spoken of soul integration, the fragmented aspects of the soul that have lessons that come in now are brought forth from other experiences are not linear, not necessarily necessarily the last last life. It could be 2,000 years ago or 100 or 500, depending on what the soul wants to learn and resolve and understand. Right. Do you, speaking of the linear kindergarten through university, how should we as a parent or even just as a member of society, how should we be teaching our kids? And are Live we doing it your well? life authentically. The children are watching and love them. Do not judge them. Teach them how to be in their authenticity. Listen to them. The children are now coming on a very high frequency. And you can observe that. And there, there are those now recognizing the educational system needs to change to accommodate these beings that are coming with greater knowledge. How should they change the system? Like what are ways of- It is structured that? for adults. It's not structured for children. And many say there are special needs children. No, they're all special. And so the accommodating, the creativity and the, and the wisdom of that soul coming in. So the, the system has been created for adults' comfort. Yes, they need to be taught socialization, but not kept in line because the teacher doesn't like noise. Yes? Yes. How, um, when you mentioned they're all special, 
these new labels, um, autism spectrum, ADHD, things of that nature, are those in reality something or are those labels we're putting on just an ener energy field that we don't quite understand? They're labels you're putting on energy fields you don't understand. And understanding can bring forth greater productivity of these individuals. Is there, do you recommend a different way of working with those children than what is happening now? Is it not using the labels or is it? Labels then limit, yeah. do they not? So we would say the preference is not to label, but to communicate and to find ways. Each of you learn differently. There are people who learn visually. That's how they absorb information. There are others who learn auditorily. They absorb information through hearing, listening. And so these should be identified in the individual rather than forcing them to learn in a way that is not comfortable or that they're capable of. It's not that they're not intelligent. It's just they learn differently. They absorb information differently. One size does not fit all. And that's how you gain your intuitive abilities as well. They come to you in ways that are psychologically, emotionally comfortable and how you learn best. So if information is coming from the angelic realm to you, if you're an auditory learner, you will hear the message. If you're visual, you'll have visions clairvoyance. And then, yes, all the other sensory perceptivities can be developed, but that would be primary. So knowing how someone learns primarily is the best way to teach them. What about autoimmune diseases, which seems to be taking over it feels like everyone is dealing and fighting with something autoimmune. What so it's really to pay about? attention to the body. The body will tell you what it needs. Here too, though, they're very similar with organs and things like that. Each of you is very individual in your experience, in your learning, and your absorption of information. And so it's true with the body. If you listen to the body, it will tell you where it needs something, where it's depleted, where it's not absorbing nutrients from. Know that medicine is getting innovation. So to utilize allopathic medicine and alternative medicine is good. But know that those who provide that information are still learning. They're practicing. You are the best healer of you. So not giving your power away, but listening to the body, where it's imbalanced, where you're eating something that you shouldn't be eating, the body will tell you. It's an inner knowing and listening that's 
of great import. For these are things that are just letting you know the body's out of balance. And it's always seeking to have homeostasis, balance, health. That's the miraculous part of a body. It will always try to find its perfect health. And medicine can assist in creating that balance when necessary. If there's something imbalanced or lacking, it can assist in bringing to balance, just like you take supplements for nutrition. Yes. If your body's not absorbing enough nutrients, then you supplement. That's what medicine can do supplementally. And medicine most often is made from nature. Not all of them are synthetic. How, and final question, because I've taken up so much of your time, Theo, and I appreciate it. How can people just go deeper into themselves to cut off all this noise of which we're talking about? What is an easy way for people to be able to kind of you know, be able to expand within themselves. Meditate. Sounds very simple, but most people think they have to go learn it somewhere. There are many forms of meditation and many teachers of it. And if one feels they need that, yes. But if you've ever daydreamed as a child or even as adult, lost time and space looking out of a window, that is a meditation. It's a quieting of the mind and the body and giving the opportunity of that time will allow you to recognize the quietness, the stillness inside, then open you more to all these possibilities we speak about. And to obtain that solid state of unconditional love of self, which is peace. Many speak, they want to be happy. That's relative. What you're looking for is being comfortable in your skin, being peace in your heart, that no matter what challenges you, you have the confidence and know you can move through that moment with ease and grace. And we all have that ability to move through the moments with ease and grace. Yes. Thank you so much. I appreciate you chatting with us and always looking over us with your words. And we really appreciate it. Thank you. We appreciate the opportunity to serve. God's love unto you. Good day. Welcome back. Hi there. <laughs> How much do you retain or hear or remember? I hear it all, but I don't retain everything. If if I listen to this show, this recording, I'll go, oh, I know that. It's like overhearing a conversation, then you're reminded of it. Mm -hmm. But it's not a total conscious recall of everything that's said. But you hear as it's coming in. I hear it. Yeah, I do hear it. And have you learned to just, or does it overtake it, turn off your critical mind or? 
can they work? Yeah, be, uh, that's a good question because what in the beginning I I was in total trance state. I didn't hear it. I didn't you know it just was coming through me. And over the years, as I let go of any resistance I had, then I became more present in the ability to hear that it's going on. And in fact, I was laying down like Edgar Casey in the beginning. And then over the years, then I sat up and then they stood me up and then they started walking with my body. As soon as I was ready to accept those different changes, um, so I've learned over time is that I trust it so much that I can just, um, I, I liken it to going into a movie theater and they have all those seats that I'm just sitting next to Theo in the movie theater. <laughs> That's the best way I can describe it because unless you, you've had the experience, um, I really don't have words, you know, to, to really explain it, how it feels. Do, do you feel the message has evolved and changed or has it been consistent? Both. <laughs> there's, there's, you know, it's, there's been a consistent message of love that has always been, but it's evolved into a teaching, you know, in the, in the beginning, when I did this, everybody wanted a psychic reading. And, you know, that's that's not what Theo is. Theo is a spiritual teacher for us to evolve into this higher state of being, this higher conscious state. So that's where the evolution happened. Yes, they answered those questions, but it's become each more, more broad and deep since we're ready to change our consciousness. And that's what Theo talks about. We're laying new neural pathways in our brain and, and we're really changing our minds. We're changing our brain activity to be more open and receptive to, to our own abilities, to our own awareness, to our own guidance. I, I tell people there's not a lot of job protection in that when Theo's teaching people to be me you know, <laughs> and how to be comfortable uh, in that. But that's what we're, we're heading for. We all can do this in whatever form that we're, it's comfortable for us. You know, there's a lot of people that want, want to be channels, let's say, because it's popular, you know, mm -hmm. and, and, and people want that connection, but we're all channels. We, each and every one of us are expressing our soul energy. We're channeling that energy. However, we're doing it. The artist paints the picture. The, the writer writes the book. The composer writes the song. I mean, that's all channeling our yeah. soul energy in the direction of what we're to express in this lifetime. Has Theo ever channeled through someone else? They say no. They say no. We've asked is, that, or other people have asked that as well. How has your relationship with Theo changed? <clears throat> From, well, I have awe in my life every day. I was going to say from being in, in awe of it. Uh, but I still have that in the information that's given. I'm, I'm, it's ever expanding me. And I'm ever learning, you know, it doesn't get boring. So it's, 
they're always giving new information or a new way of saying it. So I, I get the lesson better. So I've always been a student of Theo and it's changed mm. my life. Have the two of you ever been at dinner? Like you said, you meet at meals and you just start talking about something. You're like, oh my God, that's a really good question about life. And then you ask Theo there, or do you always save it for? Always save it. Ed's, um, Theo always encouraged me, have your life. If we wanted to have a body, we would have had a body. You have to live, you know, it's your incarnation. We're just working with you. So they always encourage me to have Theo time and my time. It is so interesting how one of the things they said, which I'm sure they've said a million times, and I've heard it before too, this idea of, but the way they said it was really interesting of there's so many choices of incarnation, like the possibilities of your, because we were talking about the body specifically, and they were like, mm -hmm. the possibilities, there are so many. And so it kind of, you know, evokes this vision of like, you know, you're ready to go and you're in a store and you get to just pick like, <laughs> but it reminds you no matter how hard it is or what you're going through or however you feel about your body, good or bad, like there is a reason that that's what jumped out at you when you were choosing. Well, and Theo also tells us that groups incarnate together to support each other's growth. So, you know, when we have those moments, we meet somebody and you go, I know you, you know, there's that instant. It's like when Marcus and I met, this is huge. Yeah. Um, this is, we've got to, there's something we're supposed to do here. We all have those moments with people where we recognize their soul in some way. Um, and, you know, people are always talking about soulmates and Theo says we can have many of them because of this group incarnating together and they're on the same frequency of growth. You know, we really, how many people do we meet in a lifetime? Tens of thousands just crossing people and walking on the street, you know, wherever we might be. How many are you truly attracted to? How many people do you talk to? How many people right. become friends? Very friends. few. Right. Really few. And even talk about since you, and you've been through <clears throat> three relationships and I know Marcus too, like significant deep ones. Um, talk about even that as far as frequency or soulmate and just evolving in a different way. Cause hey, you know, Marcus, you want to talk about <laughs> the evolution of, of soulmates? Well, and I think I didn't get, <laughs> you know, soulmate is a big is a big topic. Twin flames is an even bigger topic yeah. for some people. You know, yeah, people love um, the twin flame. Yeah, yeah. You know, but I mean, just more people coming together. Like you were saying, it could be a best friend, it could be this. But when you talk about relationships, and you find, but it's interesting because we are all evolving at different. Yeah, paces. we have a, a we have a chapter in the book Tal, called "Haven't We Met Somewhere Before," and it is describing what's happening right now. Right, so. You know, I mean, how many times have we met somebody who you just like immediately go, oh, my God, we finally found each other in this lifetime. And that was the experience that Sheila and I had. And I think that in answer to your question, I think that people are evolving in such a way where, you know, Theo calls it the weeding of the garden. And it's not a negative thing at all. Right. When we um, have relationships that are no longer a vibrational match. Some relationships that we've had for many years can be difficult to stay in if person we're in relationship with 
wants to stay stuck in old patternings, right? Wants to stay stuck in a, in a more of a victimized kind of mindset. It's difficult to want something more from somebody than they want for themselves, as you've heard many times, I'm sure. And so relationships are just evolving in, a, in, a, in, a, in an awesome way, frankly, mm -hmm. because we're just getting, we're, we're, we're coming back together again. There's a sense of a reunion in this lifetime that's happening, um, which is deeply fulfilling. And, and I think the other piece of this is the ability, like we were talking a little bit about earlier in the conversation, to manifest these simultaneous multidimensional experiences within relationship. So beyond the physical body, beyond the five senses and, and to, you know, we, we've had experiences of, of, you know, lots of telepathy. You know, we go into meditation when Sheila was in Colorado and I was here and we'd go into meditation and come out an hour later and compare notes. And it would be amazing the messages we were sending and receiving and how accurate they were. And so this is the kind of fun that people can have in relationships today, you know, and um, it just, I don't know. It's just magical. It just expands the fun quotient, you know, yeah. and that's one of the things that, that Theo's really been exalting us to do is to, is to stop taking ourselves so seriously, you know, just finding the, the humor in ourselves, which makes it mm -hmm. a whole bunch easier to find the humor in others. You need to create a dating app for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, this has been amazing. I am so appreciative. Your story together is incredible. What you guys continue to do to spread this work is obviously so important. Um, I'm really grateful you gave me the time to talk to Theo too. I can't imagine that's not hard on your body in some ways. It's probably exhausting. So thank you. Oh, I appreciate that. Yeah, it's it, we're so blended now. It's um, It's a good thing. In the beginning, it was a little ragged uh energetically but now there's a nice blend to a to allow for it so that's good it's funny because it's like you have two relationships which i love and so you're just watching how they're both developing it's like you and theo and then you and marcus yeah and marcus and theo have a great relationship he's marcus is so intuitive that when we do our mentoring programs and when we do events and people ask a question, he knows how to follow up on those questions to get a broader teaching or a broader information for the individual. And he's just so tuned into that. Um, oh, it's really a good, it's a good match. It's a good blend of oh, our energy. Sometimes, sometimes I get to be Theo's straight man, Tal, which is really interesting. <laughs> you know? yeah. Usually I'm the butt of their jokes and I find that to be one of my greatest honors. I was going to ask, do they ever kind of like poke they you? They have, they have a sense of humor. Yeah. And they do. They find us funny. They find us funny. That's what they say. Yeah. You know, some people say, well, does Theo have a sense of humor? And it's very subtle, but we ask him about it and they said, we're working on it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's so, because clearly they do, but they don't know how to express it in a way that make that goes to our definition. Can, well, Very to dry. your point, it, it did. Yeah, did I? Do I hear them? I can hear something they say and think that's hysterical, and nobody laughs, and it's kind of like people right. get so serious, you know, talking to angels. So now they'll just say that was humor. <laughs> <laughs> like someone's taking note and then they have to like cross it out and be like, okay, not, that's not what I'm learning here. <laughs> yeah. Was they're trying to lighten us up a little bit, but I love that. They're like, we're working on it too. Like it's, yeah. it's, it's, 
it, it is amazing to show that, you know, just the facets of how we all are. Um, well, thank you. And I know we have a personal practice from you guys, so everyone stay tuned for the personal practice. But I want to personally thank both of you um, for your time. This was really cool and love to have you back. It's really interesting. Yeah. We also we we love it. We also have a free gift tell for anybody who wants to go to asktheo.com forward slash love. Just asktheo.com forward slash love. We've got a free gift, a free experience with Theo, opportunity to uh, purchase the art of relationship, discover the magic okay. of unconditional love when you book. Thank you. And we'll put the link in our info too. Thank you. Thanks for having us. It's so nice meeting you. We'll look forward to another time. Same same here. Thank you, you guys. Too. Thanks, Cal. Bye. Good to meet you. You too. So now Sheila and Marcus will lead us in their personal practice, which will actually be Theo leading us in a meditation. It is the beginning, is it not? Breathing in deeply, filling the lungs completely, exhaling audibly. Ah. Again. Breathe, inhalation, exhalation, feeling the shoulders drop to the waist, relaxed, relaxed, breathe, I am. A divine soul, open and receptive to my guidance now. Breathe. The breath solidifying in the body, your divinity. I am connected to all that I am, all that I've been, and all that I will be now. Breathe in deep. Fill the lungs fully. Exhale slowly. Relaxed, open, receptive. Now, I am a divine being. connected to all that I am now. Breathe in deeply, feeling the breath, filling the lungs, energizing each cell of the body, awake and aware and connected now. God's love unto you. Good day.